0: Hello and welcome to episode thirteen of the Witcher chapter by chapter book review, where I will go through a summary of what happened in the latest chapter and give my detailed thoughts on it. Today I'll be discussing story six, something more, the final story from book two, The Sword of Destiny, or Sword of Destiny. I mix up uh, the the short story is called The Sword of Destiny and the book it's called Sword of Destiny. So yeah, I made boo boo. Whatever. So we did it. We made it to the end of another book. So that's exciting. I'm feeling pretty good about that. I can't believe how fast this is going. I really didn't think that it was going to feel as quickly as it's felt, but I mean, I I upload one episode a week, so I guess it makes sense. It's just, I think life in general just feels like... (laughs) It's flying by, but that's a, that's a conversation for another time. Uh, let's talk about the Witcher, shall we? So, uh, as usual, I'll start you out with a recap of what we talked about last episode, and then I'll summarize today's story followed by a general one woman discussion of what happened in the story and then with some closing thoughts. So I'm just going to kick it off right now with the recap. So. We left left off with Geralt, leaving Ciri, his child's surprise, behind with the druid Malsak after stumbling upon her in Broccolon Forest, the forest inhabited and savagely defended by Dryads, while he was there on a diplomatic mission for a king, petitioning for ownership of a portion of the forest. Geralt's lack of belief in destiny and desire to keep Ciri away from his dangerous lifestyle led to him leaving her behind, where she'll now be returned home to her grandmother, Queen Calanthe in Sintra during the looming threat of war. All right, so let's summarize something more. About a year from when we last saw Geralt, he is traveling through war-ravaged lands when he comes across a traveling merchant hiding under his stuck cart. Although the dried river surrounding the bridge they're on is filled with human bones, the merchant is reluctant to leave his cart behind and run away from the obviously dangerous area before dark as he doesn't want to leave behind his livelihood. He offers Geralt whatever he'd like in exchange for his help, to which he agrees, and invokes the law of surprise, again. Right when darkness falls, monsters show up and try attacking Geralt and the merchant until Geralt fights them off but gets badly injured by bites to his leg. Geralt becomes unconscious and is later awoken on a cart with the merchant, whose name we now know as Yrga, and two of his workers trying to find him a healer. He has Jurga hand him one of his witcher elixirs to help keep him alive. He goes back to sleep and begins to dream. He dreams of a memory of running into Yennefer at the Fertility Festi- Festival of Beltane, or May Day Eve. They spend some time together and agree that it's only for the night. They make love, and before they part at dawn, Yennefer advises Geralt to return to Sintra and not to give up this time. When Geralt awakens in Yurga's card again, he learns while crossing a border, a customs officer recognized him and sent someone ahead to fetch him a healer. He then takes another elixir, falls asleep, and dreams of another flashback. This time, he recalls six years after Ciri's birth, when he returned to Sintra to what at first seemed to be on a mission to claim her as his child's surprise, although this was before he met her in Brocco Forest and wasn't even aware she was a girl. He sees ten children running around playing while he's talking to Mousesack, who informs Geralt about Pavetta and Dooney's demise. The droid escorts the Witcher to Queen Calanthe, who is not at all happy to see him as she's very reluctant to give up her grandchild, especially after losing her daughter. She tells him of all the children he saw playing, he was to choose one without knowing which one was her grandchild, and that would be the one he'd take with him to turn into a Witcher. But Geralt, as it turns out, isn't interested in claiming the child and renounces his right He and Calanthe talk for a while and discuss things like how witchers are made, which she knows about, not by Geralt revealing what his code does not allow him to reveal, but by her own research. They also talk about Geralt's mother, how she abandoned him, and how even though he's a lot older than he appears, his mother is still alive and probably looks younger than he does since she's a sorceress. The two agree that Geralt will not take a child, and if destiny backfires for him acting against it, it'll backfire on him, not the child. They part ways for what Calanthe thinks may be the last time. Geralt wakes up again, this time in a clearing in the forest, being nursed back to health by a sorceress who is also a healer. It doesn't take long for Geralt to realize the sorceress is his mother, Vicenna. He plays coy for a little before revealing that he knows who she is and tries to guilt her for everything he's been through, like turning into a witcher as a result of her abandonment. He finally tells her he'll look into her eyes in the morning light, but... She says he will not and uses magic to put him back to sleep. The story then cuts to Geralt and Jurga during their travels to Yrga's home. They discuss the war with Nilfgaard that ravaged the land over the past year until the north was victorious in the Second Battle of Sodden. Jurga explains how everyone is thankful to the 14 sorcerers who gave their lives during the battle for if it had not been for them, Nilfgaard would have been victorious. He starts listing the names of the 14 who died, but Geralt cuts him off before he can finish. We next find Geralt ascending the hill where the battle took place, wherein Menir was placed with the names of the 14 engraved. He's reading the names, recalling memories of the ones he knew, and when he's about to reach the final name, who he's sure is Yennefer, a young woman approaches. This woman is death, and they discuss what happens when you die and how she doesn't take anyone, but takes them by the hand, so they're not alone in that moment. She tells him she's not taking him by the hand today, but one day they'll meet again. Shortly after she disappears, Yurga appears. He asks Yurga what the last name on the monument was, and fortunately, it was not Yennefer like Geralt feared. They continue traveling while Geralt recalls a memory of running into Dandelion around the time the war started. He was trying to board a ferry to take him across the Yuruga River, but with a large, frantic crowd also trying to board, it didn't seem likely he'd be able to get on, and so he asked Geralt for help. Geralt agrees to help him to get across the river so he can avoid the Nilfgaardian forces that have been bent on absolute death and destruction, but informs his friend he won't be accompanying him as he has to ride to Sintra. It's then Geralt learns that Sintra and all of its people, including royalty, were destroyed and killed by Nilfgaard. As this takes place after Geralt and Ciri met in Brockelon Forest, Geralt knows that Ciri was there when this happened, and so he agrees to join Dandelion in crossing the river. As we return to the present day, Geralt and Yirga are arriving at the merchant's home, much to his wife's excitement. She informs him that she's taken in a little girl who was orphaned during the war. His sons return from playing to greet their father, accompanied by the aforementioned little girl, who is actually Siri. She and Geralt embrace each other and agree to be together forever because she is his destiny and much more. Okay, I, I'm gonna be honest with you guys. I cried so hard (laughs) when I read that ending. Oh my God, that's so emotional, it's it's so beautiful. All right, let's move on, because I I feel like I could cry again right now, just thinking, I have goosebumps, like you you can't see on camera if you're watching on YouTube, but yeah, I've got goosebumps just thinking about that ending. (laughs) Boy, okay. So I wanna start off the discussion by talking about the links between the last story, The Sword of Destiny, and this story, something more. So Geralt had these visions when he was in Brokilon Forest and they get further explanation in this story. So one of those visions or hallucinations, Geralt's return to Sintra and the discussion with Calanthe. So that was something that we saw him um, offering Calanthe the rose and she was telling him, return here if you change your mind. And then he thought, I'll never return here. So we got to see what was going on around that moment in this story kind of important um Yennefer at Beltane was one of those other visions that he saw in Broccalon so she was saying in that vision she said too little and she said something more is needed so in this story we learned that she was referring to destiny not being enough um so that's Carol and Yennefer destined for each other um Made, They're made for one another, but that's just not enough. And that, that's something that was kind of a callback to the story, The Bounds of Reason. That's the first story from Sword of Destiny, the dragon story. Villain uh, Trettenworth, the dragon, tells them that they were made for each other, but it's, it's just not meant to be. So that was part of that discussion. Um, it's just the continuation of the whole Destiny theme and how... Destiny alone isn't enough for two people to, I guess, be together. And the third vision that Geralt saw in Brokkolam was Calanthe's death. So he saw her in the Sword of Destiny story. Um, She was bleeding and she was wearing damaged armor. So we find out now that she did die. She threw herself off the battlements after getting injured in this battle against Nilfgaard. So Ciri's grandmother has officially passed away. So it's. I thought that that was pretty cool to think about. Not, not that she died, but that what Geralt saw was actually a prophecy. Because at that point, and when he was in Broccolon, she was still alive. Calanthe was still alive. The whole war with Nilfgaard hadn't even started yet. So he saw two things that were memories. But it is kind of confusing to think about the timeline. I know that this story something more creates a lot of confusion for people when it comes to when certain things happen. And I think I got it down. I'm not going to go through that in detail. But the memory of Geralt and Yennefer running into each other at Beltane, I don't know for sure if that was prior to him meeting Siri in Broccalon or after. I think it was after. So if it was after, then that was another prophecy from his hallucination while he was in Broccalon. We'll talk about that a little bit more in a second. So going back to this discussion with Yennefer. So Yen advised Geralt to return to Sintra. I don't know how much she knew about the situation, but she somehow knew that it was important. She can read his mind and she did so multiple times during this encounter. So perhaps it was on his mind since he recently abandoned Ciri after he just met her, so that's why I'm thinking that... That's one of the reasons why I'm thinking that he didn't run into Jennifer until after he met Ciri. So I'll talk about it a little bit more in a second. <laughs> I probably didn't organize my notes the best way I should have, but it's okay. I think this will all kind of come together a little bit more in a minute. So this definitely did take place after Geralt went to Sintra and met with Kalanthe. It's just... The whole clarity about when it happened, and I, honestly, this probably isn't really even that important. But I just, just for the sake of trying to figure it out, because it's it's driving me a little bit nuts. <laughs> um, and I think there are people that have figured it out, and they know the exact answer. But I'm just going to talk about why I think it happened afterwards. Okay. I'm trying to get my thoughts organized here. Sorry. <laughs> so, Yen says to Geralt when they meet at Beltane that Fell times are approaching. And we heard about the threat of war with Nilfgaard in the Sword of Destiny, which doesn't necessarily mean that 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 had to have happened after. It could have maybe happened right before. But Geralt, we know he was on his way to Sintra when he ran into Dandelion. And I'm thinking that he probably left for Sintra right after meeting Yen. But when we see him in Broccolon, he was on a diplomatic mission for King Ben's lab. So he wasn't on his way to Sintra. He wasn't even thinking about Cintra. So I just think that that's why I think that the Beltane thing happened after he met Siri. And I have kind of mucked this up so much right now that I don't even remember why I was talking about it. So let's move on. Uh, I think it is interesting, though, that he saw her and he was with her one more time after... They uh, had their final split in a shard of ice. So, the law of surprise. I know that this is not the first time that this has come up in my podcast episodes. It's definitely something important that we got to discuss. So, Geralt invoked the law of surprise on Yrga when he agreed to help him on the bridge and fought off the monsters. So, Yrga agreed to give him what he found when he returned home but did not expect Yurga explains that his wife isn't able to have any more kids. So there's no chance there'd be an unexpected child waiting for him upon his return. What he does, because he's very grateful to Geralt for saving his life and fighting off those monsters, and he was able to bring his cart with his goods, whatever he was selling, back home. Or, you know, he was able to continue making money, whereas he would have either died or have ran away and then lost his cart and all his goods. So he because he's grateful, he offers Geralt one of his sons instead, even though he wouldn't necessarily be unexpected. You know, he says that he's got two sons. He thought that he would apprentice one of them with him, and then he needs to get the other one apprenticed somewhere. So he said, why not just, you know, why, why not let him be a witcher? It's, you know, as good a trait as any. And Geralt kind of just says, oh, no, is it? <laughs> but, you know, I think Geralt thinking about all the problems he has in his life as a result of being a witcher, But Geralt tells him, you know, it's not necessary. I saved your life. You saved my life. Like, we're quits. Don't worry about it. But I still think that the law of surprise was, I mean, it was technically invoked, even though Geralt was, like, trying to be dismissive of it later. So they go to Yurga's home, and there actually was a child there. That was unexpected. And it was Ciri. So she basically was Geralt's child surprise for the second time. So the first time, the obvious one, when he invoked the Law of Surprise on Dooney and Pavetta. And then now he did it with Yurga. Yurga returns home and Ceres there. So that's like double destiny. <laughs> Geralt told Calanthe that witchers aren't actually children destined through the Law of Surprise. So I guess it's more of like a, like a nice story to tell to make the ugliness of turning these children into witchers you know, where we know that only like 30% and most 40% of them survive the trial of grasses. I think that's maybe just supposed to make it a little bit more of an enchanting thing, like maybe not enchanting, but like a nice thing. So from what Geralt tells Calanthe, we learn that apparently not a lot of kids were actually, a lot of the Witcher kids were not children of destiny. And Geralt certainly wasn't. He says that he was a common foundling. His mother abandoned him. So, Siri, though, she actually is a child of destiny and twice by the same person. It's pretty crazy when you think about it, but um, I think something that is really important that came out of that is that there is no freaking way that Geralt does not believe in destiny anymore. <laughs> like, if he doesn't, then he's crazy. So, moving on. want to talk about in detail Geralt's mother never saw this coming I didn't think before this story I didn't think that we would ever be talking about Geralt's mother or learn anything about her or any either of his parents but yeah we learn a lot about her and we even get to meet her so the first reference is during his conversation with Calanthe she's the sorceress um, not Calanthe Geralt's mother we find out during that conversation that because she's a sorceress she's probably still alive since they can live a very long time like Yennefer and Istrid, she is old with a young appearance. So that's something that we've learned from both Yennefer and Istrid, that when not, not only can you live a long time, but when you age, you don't have the appearance of aging. They use um Mandrake something to keep their looks youthful. Um, like Calanthe, we were led to believe that sorcerers cannot reproduce. And we were led to believe that through Yennefer's experience. Geralt says to Calanthe that she, referring to his mother, probably thought so too. And I think that this is pretty interesting because in one of the Voice of Reason chapters from The Last Wish book, Neneke and Geralt talked about Yennefer's attempt at paying for a procedure to get her reproductive system operating again. And that was something that she talked about in The Balance of Reason, the dragon story. So Neneke said it's impossible but Geralt said not all sorceresses are handicapped in this respect, you know, when it comes to getting pregnant. And he says, I know something about that. Now we know he was talking about his mother. Just the one thing with this is how? how was she able to get pregnant as a sorceress? There's no clear answer on this. I guess it's open to interpretation because there's no clear answer. Until we get more info, until that's di- disclosed in a future book, but maybe it won't even be disclosed in a later book. So what I wanted to do was take a moment to talk about my theories on how that works. So we can dismiss this later if it comes up, but if not, then we can just say, hey, maybe my theories are right. I think that with Geralt's mother, she was able to get pregnant either one of two ways. And this is just my theory. So if you have a different theory, let me know. I think you would have to let me know in the YouTube comments though, because I don't think there's a way of commenting on individual podcast episodes in Spotify and Apple podcasts, just FYI. Um, so, okay. My first theory is that when, and I'm going to refer to just sorceresses, not sorcerers. So female magic people, um, I think that one of the possibilities is that when they start using magic, that does something to specifically their ovaries, because I know that Neneke says that Yennefer's ovaries were atrophied. So I think that just the use of magic does that. And maybe Vicenna was a very young or new sorceress when she got pregnant with Geralt. And she hadn't maybe done a lot of complicated magic yet at that point to have it with have it turned her ovaries into, well, and to make it so that she couldn't get pregnant. (laughs) So I think that that could be one of the things that happens when a, a sorceress becomes a sorceress. And okay, so that's just one theory. My other theory is that maybe when a woman becomes a sorceress, she has to go through some sort of mutation and able to activate her magical abilities. I don't know. I feel like this is the least likely of my two theories, but I, I think it might be something similar to, like you know how witchers have to go through the trial of grasses and they you know the, these mutations and a lot of them die. I don't think it's to that extent. I think it's probably a procedure or whatever that's way less severe than that probably doesn't kill them. But if this is how it's supposed to work, then maybe they do have to have some like magic mutation in order for them to be able to use magic. And maybe that at that moment is when they lose their ability to get pregnant. So if that's what it is, then maybe with Vicenna, it just didn't take for some reason. Like she was able to use magic, but her ovaries did not become atrophied and she was able to get pregnant. And she didn't even know that until she actually. And ended up getting pregnant. Anyway, these are just my theories. Like I said, let me know if you have others because I think it's pretty interesting. And something else I was wondering is I don't know if the male sorcerers can have children. Like we know witchers cannot, we know the sorceresses cannot, but I don't know about the sorcerers, the, the men who practice magic, like Istrid. If he was to be with a, you know, like a mortal woman who is not a sorceress, would he be able to get her pregnant? I don't know. Maybe that's... that. Maybe that'll be part of a future plot point. Who knows? Time will tell. All right, so back to the meeting of Geralt and Vicenna. So he discovers that she's a healer. And he tells her when they meet that Vesemir, who, if you didn't remember, he's Geralt's foster witcher father from Kaer Morhen, the witcher keep where they learn and train um, to become witchers he gave him the name Geralt of Rivia but then Vicenna denies that which I thought was kind of cold I mean if it's true it's true but couldn't you let him have that (laughs) couldn't you let him think that this man that he cares about that took care of him that he thinks of as a father gave him that name I don't know I thought that that was pretty weird that she had to correct him on that so I mean it is what it is I guess he wants to, Geralt wants to ask her questions, or a question, but she denies him the ability by putting him to sleep and then leaving before he wakes up. She says to him, what will mutual hurt give us? That I kind of understand. I think that, you know, Geralt says to Calanthe, and then he says it again when he's talking to Vicenta that it would give him some perverse pleasure to ask her. We don't know exactly what the question is. He doesn't say. But I think that she had a good point when she said, what will mutual her give us? Because I think with, for Geralt's sake, it would have probably just made him, it's one of those things I think it gives you that temporary satisfaction, that temporary gratification that isn't going to solve all of the issues that he has as a result of her not being around, her not being a mother to him. I think that she probably does have a lot to do with, or just, you know, not having your parents around. I think that that probably has a lot to do with some of the issues that he has. But if, and I, and I can totally understand why he would want to ask her. I don't know what the question is, but I can understand why he might have things he wants to ask and how asking her, it would give him like this, you know, he refers to it as this perverse pleasure. But I, yeah, I don't think that it would actually help him in the long run. But I'm also not a therapist, so <laughs> I, uh, I shouldn't be thinking too much about that. But anyway, I can see why she denied him the ability to do that. And I think he 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 probably understood, too, that it wasn't actually going to do him any good in the long run. All right, so let's uh, move off of that dark note and onto another one. Let's talk about this War with Nilfgaard. <laughs> so we heard about this for the first time in the last story that time it was just a threat. Now a year has passed and it happened and it was very bad. So from Dandelion we learn, because he tells Geralt, it was a war of destruction. So apparently this wasn't about power. It wasn't about land or money. Geralt contradicted Dandelion. that He said that war is never about destruction. But they apparently were destroying and killing all in their path. So I don't know what that was about. They were defeated. Nulfgard was defeated during the Second Battle of Sodden, but it's just we we don't get to learn why they waged war in the first place. I don't know if that will come up. It seems like it's all over and done with. Um, so I don't know if that's important in the future book. But yeah, it is pretty strange when you think about it that this country is just going to invade and destroy all like destroy the foreign land and kill people and they don't even want money. They don't want power. They're not even trying to take the land. Maybe maybe if they were successful, we would have gotten some answers, but they weren't. So something that I thought about was that Geralt must have been riddled with guilt when he found out from Dandelion what happened to Citra. So he had the opportunity to take Siri with him after leaving Broccolon in the Sword of Destiny story, but he didn't. That's Really sad to think about, but also I wonder if he started thinking that it was a result of him spurning destiny because that's something that's been brought up a few times. That you know, Mao says it, uh, it's mentioned in the conversation with Geralt and Calanthe that you know, if you spurn destiny, it's going to backfire. And Geralt was very confident when talking to Calanthe that if it was going to backfire, it would backfire in him and not the child. But then for a while. I think you know, it was probably about a year. He thought that Siri was dead, and if he had not gone against the law of surprise, if he had not renounced his right to her, then she would have been with him and would have been fine. It all worked out because she was fine, but still, he didn't know that for a period of time, and during that period of time, the guilt must have been must have been bad. Okay, so I have one more little detail I wanted to talk about. It's one of the more least important thoughts that I had on the chapter, or on the story, but thought it was interesting. So one of the names of the 14 sorcerers that died at the Battle of Sodden was Triss Marigold. In the Last Wish story, Yen mentions the sorceress, so that's not the first time we've seen that name come up. She refers to her as a friend. So we find out that Yen actually lost a friend in the Battle of Sodden. She might have actually known some of the other sorcerers that were there. I mean, the fact that Geralt thinks, or that Geralt was worried that Yen was going to be the last name on that list of the 14 makes me think that he had good reason to believe that she was just there. I don't know if he thought that maybe she was there just because there were 22 sorcerers there. And he thought... She could have been one, or if he actually found out somehow that she in fact was one of the people there, and he just never found out if she survived or not. But she, so Ian might have known others, but we know for a fact that Tris Marigold was her friend. So that's a shame for Jennifer that she lost a friend. And Gerald apparently knew Tris also. It said that um, he liked her and she liked him, but. I mean, it was just a small detail. I mean, it was a person we've never even met, so it's probably not important. All right, I'm going to wrap this up now with my closing thoughts. So Geralt has now got to be a believer. He's got to believe in destiny at this point. Maybe that'll lead to something that could bring he and Yen back together. I know that she said something more is needed. I don't know if Siri might be that something more. I do also wonder if another purpose of their meeting at Beltane from like the writer's perspective was to wrap up Geralt and Yen's story. So maybe this was the last time we hear from Yennefer or see her, but she might not even be a character in the upcoming books. I, I could see that being a thing. Time will tell though. So what are Geralt and Ciri going to do now that they're finally together? She can't go back home, of course. Carol doesn't really have a home. He, You know, he wanders around and he fights monsters. And he was reluctant to bring Siri with him in the first place because he has a dangerous lifestyle. His job is very dangerous. And he says, death dogs is footsteps. So I don't know if he's going to do whatever he can to try to protect her. If he's, Are they, they going to, like I talked about in the last episode, are they going to move on to a farm and he's going to be a farmer and she's going to help him? I, I doubt it. I don't think there would be more books in the series about a farmer. so And I don't think they would all be part of the same name. The, I don't think that the series would be called The Witcher. <laughs> but maybe she's going to be a new little girl witcher. We will find out because with the end of this episode, we have completed two books in this podcast series. And in the next episode, we're moving on to Blood of Elves. I'm so freaking excited. And, and that's all I got for you. So if you have listened this far, thank you so much. As always, I really, really appreciate you. And if you want to listen to this in a different place where you have listened to it today, just know that it is available on YouTube. You can watch me and listen to me talk about it. And then it's also available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts where you can only listen. And yeah, that's all I got. (laughs) Thank you so much. Goodbye.